This is Bigger Pockets Daily, where you learn how to invest in real estate 365 days a year. I'm your host, Tyler. The following article comes from the blog at biggerpockets.com, but you can't read the blog when you're commuting to work or getting your Airbnb ready for your next guest. Okay, almost time for the show. We'll get right into it after this quick break. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Seven Disadvantages to Investing in Syndications and Funds by Paul Moore. A few months back, I published a post describing nine disadvantages to investing in real estate syndications and funds on my company blog page. I was happily surprised at the reaction, so I decided to do part two. This time, I decided to share this with my Bigger Pockets community instead of my company blog. So here we go. Real estate syndications and funds have grown significantly in popularity over the past decade. The Jobs Act of 2013, the ubiquity of social media, and the rising tide of real estate values have set the stage. It's resulted in a whole lot of investors making a whole lot of money. (laughs) And it's also created an opportunity for newbies and great promoters to pose as great syndicators, operators, while enjoying the rising tide. But we all know what happens when the tide goes out. Warren Buffett tells us, We'll see who's skinny dipping. I'm doing this podcast today to help you avoid being a victim of skinny dippers' blunders and to help you make sure you know what you're getting into. It's a long-term commitment, and I want to be sure you count the costs before writing a check. So let's take a look at seven more downsides to taking this plunge. But before I do, here's a list of the risks and downsides I covered in my company blog post. 
Number one, overheated market. Commercial real estate is at an all-time high. Two, syndicators make money even if investors don't, just like stockbrokers make fees. Three, over-alignment. It's hard to explain here, but it's possible to discourage the syndicator and motivate them to walk away when things get tough. Four, loss of control. You a control freak? Don't send your money to a real estate syndicator or fund manager. Five, dilution from over-raising. Some operators raise capital to pay investor returns for a while. This can bite investors in multiple ways if things go south. Six, a rising tide makes even new ruse look good. New ruse equal new investors calling themselves gurus. They look great right now, but watch out. Seven, risky debt. Leverage can accelerate your wealth or quicken your destruction. Do you know how to evaluate the risks? Eight, skin in the game. Syndicators act differently when their cash is invested alongside yours. Nine, key man or woman risk. What happens if your star gets hit by a bus? By the way, why is it always a bus? What about a car? Or a paddy wagon? Do they still have paddy wagons? Anyway, here are seven more downsides to investing in syndications. Number one, the liquidity tax. Think of a spectrum. On one end, you have stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. You'll never know the fund managers, and there is a lack of clarity between revenue increases on the ground and dividends in your pocket. You may be subject to the mood on Wall Street, a war in the Middle East, or a CEO scandal. But you'll have liquidity. You can cash in whenever you need or want to. On the other end of the spectrum is commercial real estate. You can get to know the syndicator and the returns are often predictable. There is a clear line connecting rents and operating expenses to your bank account. But you won't have liquidity. You won't get access to your funds until the investment term is up. I call this the liquidity tax. While real estate may pay you a higher, more predictable return without the emotional roller coaster of Wall Street casinos, <laughs> this tax will be attached to your investment. While concessions often allow you to access your funds, there is no guarantee, and it won't be an easy process like the stock market. This is a long-term commitment, a marriage. But it may be a marriage to someone who is hard to get to know. Number two, Due diligence is tricky. There is a massive amount of information and almost endless analysis available on public companies and mutual funds. And there are standard boxes that most of them check and publish. Not so with private real estate offerings. These offerings are generally exempt from SEC registration. And since they are relatively tiny compared to public company market caps, there is little to no analysis available. You need to dig deep to get an accurate picture of their company and deals. Here's the problem. As an individual passive investor, do you really have the knowledge, resources, and time to do this due diligence? From what I've seen, most don't. I've spoken to over a thousand prospective investors in the past several years, and I've only met a small handful who do. Here's a resource for you if you decide to perform due diligence. My friend Brian Burke has written an excellent Bigger Pockets book called The Hands Off Investor. 
This book will give you details on how to vet syndicators and deals. I've spoken to investors who were invigorated from the detailed material, and others were discouraged when they realized how much is required to thoroughly perform due diligence. If this is a marriage, it is worth it to know who you're marrying and to know how much will be required from you. Number three, high minimum investments, high bar, and detailed investment process. Kids, 18 and up at least, can buy stocks on Robinhood for a few bucks in a few minutes. Day traders enter and exit small trades daily. But investing in syndications involves a heavy commitment. Many start at $50,000, some hundred grand or much higher. And most syndication investments will require you to be accredited. This is an SEC construct meant to protect smaller or inexperienced investors from getting taken. It requires investors to either A. Have $1 million in net worth, not including their primary residence, or B. Make $200K annually or $300K if filing jointly. Syndications also require a more detailed investment process than most stock investments these days. In addition to verifying accreditation, investors are required to sign subscription agreements confirming they've read a lengthy PPM, Private Placement Memorandum, stating they understand many of the ways they could get burned, plus other provisions. There are usually multiple calls and webinars involved, and if you agree with my point before about due diligence, it may include site visits to see what you're investing in. Staying with the marriage theme, this spouse may encounter issues that are tough to resolve. Number four, potential of multiple state tax returns. One benefit of syndications is the fact that you get a K-1, a partnership return. This means the depreciation losses from the property pass through to you. It also means you may be required to file in multiple states where your syndication invests. Most investors find it's not a severe or overly costly problem, but it is a hassle, and you should know this going in. Yesterday, I met with an investor in over 30 syndications in multiple states. Like me, he files about five or six state returns, including in his state. These returns typically cost $50 to 100 bucks per state. But there is another issue with K-1s, which leads to number five on the list today. K-1s are typically not timely. This marriage analogy could get me in trouble here. Ever have a spouse that runs late? If you invest in syndications, you will probably link up with a syndicator whose K-1 is late as well. These often lengthy returns are technically due on March 15th, but many syndicators get them out in late March or early April. Most investors don't complain since they file extensions anyway, but if you're the early filing type, you need to know that your late K-1 will probably set you back. I've been an entrepreneur since 1993 and I've extended my return these 28 years, so I didn't think of this as a downside. But last year, a few investors who typically filed in March had a bit of angst over this issue. Number six, all your eggs in one or a few baskets. As we discussed, the high minimums result in heavy concentration for a regular investor. I can buy a share of Apple for under 200 bucks, the typical syndication at $50,000 has a minimum of 250 times as high, though some have a much higher minimum. 
This means more eggs in one basket if you want to invest. The opportunity for diversification is, therefore, quite limited for most. In my mind, this means a higher due diligence bar on real estate syndications. But as I mentioned before, due diligence can be more difficult for private syndications than public stocks, making this situation even more challenging. And number seven, it's hard to fire the manager. The press abounds with stories of public CEOs who are fired for various good and bad reasons every year. CEOs are under constant scrutiny for their comments, actions, personal lives, and financial performance. Last week, I met with a prominent public company CEO whose career ended in a boardroom disagreement. He said he was ready to retire and seemed happy about the situation. <laughs> but this reminded me of the level of accountability and scrutiny these public CEOs undergo day in and day out. If you've invested in a syndication, think about this. How would you know if the execs at your syndicator are cheating on the books? Or if they're mismanaging the properties? Or if they're refinancing with risky debt? Or doing any of a hundred other things that could hurt or destroy your investment? And if you could figure it out, could you fire them? Not likely. The syndication PPM provides details on removing management for cause. But I can tell you, this will probably be quite difficult and there will probably not be a board in place to fire them either. So, why would anyone invest in a syndication? So you have a significant allocation in an unregulated, illiquid investment with a hard-to-do-diligence and tough-to-hold-accountable syndicator who is nearly impossible to fire. Why would anyone do this? There are a lot of good reasons. I could write a short book about this topic, but that is well beyond the scope of this podcast. I can tell you that most of the Forbes 400 wealthiest Americans utilize commercial real estate to maintain their wealth. Many of them made their fortunes in this arena as well. Unfortunately, these investments have been historically unattainable to the average investor. Until recently. Recent changes to syndication legislation and SEC policies have opened the door for millions of investors to participate in commercial real estate. Investors in syndications are participating in hard assets that provide predictable cash flow, high appreciation, meaningful principal paydown, and nearly unparalleled tax benefits. These investments stand apart from those offered through stock market casinos. These investors aren't worried about the turbulent moods of Wall Street, rumors of war in the Middle East, a recent CEO scandal, or the latest tweet by Elon Musk. An increasing number of investors are turning to syndicated real estate to protect their assets, grow their wealth, and reduce their taxes. If you decide to take this path, you should take steps to overcome the disadvantages outlined in this podcast. That's today's show. We'll see you tomorrow. But in the meantime, check out the Bigger Pockets bookstore at biggerpockets.com slash store. You can learn about flipping, rental properties, negotiating, note investing, brr, and more. Most titles are available as audiobooks too. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in 24 hours.